Well, good morning, church. Boy, it's great to see you. You may be wondering why in the world do we staff a TC Cares? Why do we staff a single mom's ministry? Why do we send people to Russia? And here's the answer. Love is why. It's love. Love is why Jesus came to earth, why God sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sin. And, and it's one of the most familiar verses in all of Scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He loved us. Love is why he came. Love is why he died. And then he follows up that the love of Christ is what compels us. It's God's love that compels us to do the very same thing. And so here we go and, and we go and reach people in our community. We go and reach people in our world. Love is the very same motivation that we have in our heart to do the very same thing that he did for us. So love is why, and that is the focus of our vision month that we have through September and into the beginning of October. Love is why. And so today we talk about love is why we are created. And we're going to talk about how God has created us for community. And I'm just going to give you a statement that I think resonates with every one of us loneliness stinks. Are you with me on that? I remember when I was uh, maybe 23, I was single, I was a youth pastor in Ohio, and just being in Ohio stinks. And, and here I was in a home, it was just me, it was my dog, and I would come home after youth group, and I would, and I would sit down, and it was, it was lonely. And I just remembered talking to my dog, saying, Mindy, I love you, but this stinks. It really does. So I started praying, God would you help to change my situation? Like, something's got to give here. I really don't want to be alone the rest of my life. And it wasn't too much later, along came this gal. We began to date, and then God solidified our relationship, and here we got married, and seven children later. And let me just tell you, my loneliness has been cured. <laughs> it is forever cured. <laughs> In fact, there are some times when loneliness looks exciting, you know. But it does, you know, when you're all alone, it really can stink. Loneliness is what trainers at NASA prepare astronauts for in their space launches. I don't know if you think about this. Some people think, you know, what they really need to train for is the G-force and the anti-gravity and the warp speed and, and the regimented sleep and all the eating and hygiene situations. But one of the greatest factors that astronauts need to train for with NASA is, <clears throat> like, consider the Apollo 11 situation here when they hit the moon and they look back on 
this little blue ball, which is planet Earth, where all of their friends and family and all of human civilization are, and they are on a rock out in the middle of space, all alone, can you imagine what they would feel in that situation? Now, you and I, if we haven't trained for that, when you step off of that ship and you stand on the moon, probably your big words would not be one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. If you've not trained for that and you look back at that blue ball where everyone else exists, your knees would be knocking and probably... The words out of your mouth would not be bold. It would be something like, help. Because loneliness and isolation stinks. Here's the truth. You can be lonely around people. I remember a time when Lisa and I were experiencing a very difficult time in life. It's a while back, and we were talking with someone who was out of the area about our trial. As we were talking about it, they were wishing that they were with us, and they said, we feel like we are a million miles away. And my wife said this phrase, and I will never, ever forget it. She said, we are right here, and we feel like we are a million miles away. You may be in this room in a sea of humanity and feel all alone this morning. You may be in a marriage and feel all alone this morning. You may be in a family and feel all alone this morning. You may be in a business that is buzzing and feel all alone this morning. You may be in a crowded neighborhood and feel all alone this morning. One has said, although we drive on overcrowded freeways to catch overbooked flights and sit in jam-packed airplanes, it's amazing that people still feel lonely and George Gallup, in his survey work, has said Americans are among the loneliest people in the entire world. And it's not because there's no one around. Often our lives are loaded with people. And yet we feel alone. And, and it's not that there's no connection because we have more connection now than what we've ever had. We take our phones everywhere we go. We get texts all the time. We can snap, we can IM, we can PM. We have constant connect all the time, and yet we can feel all alone. Suicides are up. People feel isolated. And here's the secret. More than craving connection, more than craving cohabitation, more than just wanting people around, people crave relationship. People crave 
community. And in the midst of our crowded existence, many, if not most, live lonely lives, although they are in a sea of humanity. And the primary reason is because we end up missing out on the very benefit for which we were created, and that is true community. Meaningful relationships. And we crave it for this one reason, and it's profound. We crave it because God created us for community. He created us for community. So I invite you this morning, take your copy of the Scriptures, or pull out your device, whatever you have along with you, and let's turn it. It's the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, chapter 1. The book of Genesis, chapter 1, right at the very beginning. Genesis means beginnings. And this is the story, this is the account of how God created all things. And at the end of this week of creation, he created man, he created woman, and he created us for purpose. And we're going to see that he created us for community. And in Genesis chapter 1, in verses 26 and 27, there's a very revealing truth that we find when God created man and he created woman. And so let me read for you verses 26 and 27 of Genesis chapter 1. It says, Then God said, Catch the wording here if you would. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, if you have a study guide with you this morning, here's what I want to work through with us. Some very basic yet profound and powerful truths that we need to deal with this morning. Here's a biggie. It's this. I was created... You were created, we were created to resemble God. We were created in his image. I was created to resemble God. We were created in his image. Would you say, I am created in God's image? I am created in God's... It's true. Because here's what the world will tell you. They say, no, you were created in the image of the animal. You're a product of evolution. You're a product of animals. Or some will say, no, you are in the image of your past mistakes. They say, no, you are in the image of your occupation. You are your occupation. Or no, you are your social or economic status. But here's what God says. 
you are created in God's image. And some people say, you know, I need to be in the image of someone popular. I need to be in the image of a pop star or a movie star. Well, you know what? You can psych your friends out when they say, you know what? I think I look like Brad Pitt. Or I think I look like Mariah Carey. Or they come up with some big name like that. You know, you just psych them out and you say, you know what? I'm, I'm in the image of God. See what they say to that. You're created in God's image. And here's how this works out. The word image literally means a shadow a phantom, a pattern. You were made to resemble the greatest being in all eternity. All the while, people try to replicate lesser beings. God says you were made to replicate the greatest being of all, and that is God himself. Think about it. What other person could we replicate greater than God? We were made to look like God. And there are many ways that God has made us to bear his image. There's a moral sense with his character, with his attributes, with his attitudes. When we love, we we love like God, although we'll never love as good as God, but it resembles him. When we are just, it is like God, although we'll never be just as good as God, but it resembles him. In our righteousness or holiness, it's never as good as God, but it resembles him. But I want to give you one special way that God has created us to resemble him in his image. Look at this. In verse 26 of Genesis 1, I want you to see a unique progression of pronouns here. And I know it's technical, but this is significant. Then God said, would you follow along in your copy right there, whatever you have, your device. It says, then God said, notice the wording, let What's the next pronoun? Us. Notice that. Let us make mankind in, and what's the next pronoun? Our. Notice this. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. I want you to see this. This is really significant. Because from the very first chapter of the scriptures God's revealing something significant about himself that he is creating us in his image for God is one then God said God is one Deuteronomy 6 4 the Lord our God is one God God has always existed as one if someone says how many gods are there there is one God the Lord our God. But this is what is unique about God. This is what is special about God. That God has, although existed as one, he has, let me just open your mind for a moment, he has subsisted. 
as three distinct persons. And here is the very first visual evidence of that because it says then God said let us. It's in the plural. And the unique thing about this Hebrew plural pronoun is it refers to, our plural pronouns refer to two or more. This refers to three or more. So God, from the very first chapter of the Bible, says, I want you to know something unique about me. I am in the singular. I exist as one God, yet within my Godhead, I subsist as three. And we know them, could you say them with me, as the Father, the and the Holy Spirit. And so here's the reality of God. They are all equally God. They have always existed. They are fully compatible in every way, and they fully enjoy each other. Some people say God made man because he needed us. Let me just tell you, God did not need us. God was never lonely. God wasn't saying, man, it's just me and no one else. God has always existed in community. You realize this? God was never alone. God always existed in perfect, beautiful community amongst himself. As the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God has never been isolated. He has always had a meaningful, perfect, beautiful community. He's never, ever been alone. God's never been alone, except for one time. There was one time that God was alone. I'm not sure if you remember when that was or if it comes to mind, but there was one point in time when God was alone. And I'll tell you when that was. It was when Jesus was on the cross and he was bearing on the cross our sin. And you realize that God cannot have fellowship with sin and as Jesus Christ God the Son was bearing our sin on himself that there was a point in time when God the Father and God the Spirit had to turn away and you remember the words of Jesus my God my God, why have you forsaken me? I don't know that it was the torture of the cross that was so desperately painful for Jesus Christ, but that it was the separation he had to experience from the Godhead for that moment which he had never, ever experienced for all eternity because of our sin. 
But other than that, God had always existed in perfect community for his entire eternity. And here's how he made us. He made us to exist in community. God made us in that same image of him. And I want you to see something very special. Down in chapter 2, if you look in Genesis chapter 2, here God gets into the nitty-gritty. We know that he wanted to make man and woman, and so first he made man, and he made Adam. God made man to exist in community. God created us for community. We were morally to look like him. We were in his display with his character and attributes. But the totality of this is we were created for community. And so here man was perfect. There was no sin. There was no disobedience. The garden was perfect and beautiful. It was a great environment. Now think about this. Man was in this relationship with God. Man had communion with God. Man was even working with God in the garden. And so verse 15 of chapter 2, the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it, to take care of it. The Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, you but not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. And then God was even naming animals. God was bringing these animals that he created, and Adam was working with him, and Adam was naming these animals with God. So there was this fellowship, there was working but notice what God said in verse 18 of chapter 2. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Think about that. Man was with God. Was he truly alone? Was he all by himself? And we realize that in this creation, God wanted for man a communion of someone compatible for him, just like God had for himself. And this was beyond just marriage. I want to read for you a quote by John Ortberg. He says, sometimes in church circles, when people feel lonely, we tend to tell them not to expect too much from human relationships. There is inside every human being a God-shaped void that no other person can fill, and that's true. We have to have God in our lives. But apparently, according to the writer of Genesis, this is important to note, God creates inside man a kind of human-shaped void that God himself will not fill. 
No substitute will fill this need in you for human relationship. God made us for human relationship. Not money, not achievement, not busyness, not books. Nothing will fill it. Even though this man was in a state of sinless perfection, he was alone, and God said that is not good. We need to live in community. Now, I'm going to give you a few things. I love this. I went through a resource recently, and it talked about living in community. And so here's, I'm, I'm just going to give you a few things. Living in community helps us. I'm going to give you these things. This is great, and it's true. Living in community helps us to, number one, gain perspective. Gain perspective. Here's how the Bible puts it. Philippians 2, 4, don't look to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. Man, when you live in community, it gets your eyeballs off of yourself. Helps you begin to see others and their interest, their perspective, their opinions, their tastes. As one person says, viva la difference. You know, this is a special world that we live in. Life is bigger than just us. We gain perspective. Here's number two. Living in community helps us to enjoy intimacy. Enjoy intimacy. Often people would rather stay disconnected than risk rejection. But when we live in community... And here's the key, when we find a safe place to be open with others, we enjoy intimacy. Now just to be plain about this, I'll tell you, there was a, a time, even recently, that, um, that my wife and I enjoyed this with our small group. that we just opened up and, and shared our hearts with them. And I'll tell you, there is risk with that. There's risk with intimacy. But when you open up and you share your challenges and you share your needs and you share your heart, and when you know that they love and care, that's when you enjoy it. And when it's special, there's freedom in that. Here's number three. Develop sensitivity to others. Living in community helps us develop sensitivity to others. Living in isolation develops selfishness. Living in community develops sensitivity. Connected people who live in community sense feelings and hurts. They weep with those who weep, the Bible says, they celebrate with those who celebrate. Here's the next one. This is really interesting. John Ortberg says this in his book. It improves our health. I didn't have any study on this, but here's one thing he mentions in his book. Everybody is normal till you get to know them. That's the title of his book. And it's true, isn't it? Okay. So his book, Everyone's Normal Till You Get to Know Them, refers to a study on relationship that tracked the lives of 7,000 people over nine years. Now check this out. 
Researchers found that the most isolated people were three times more likely to die than those with strong relational connections. So here's how it works out. People who had bad health habits, now this isn't from me, so don't shoot the messenger. People who had bad health habits but strong social ties lived significantly longer than people who had great health habits but were isolated. So here's how I take that. In other words, it is better to eat Twinkies with good friends than to eat broccoli alone. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer. There's something about community that God has made us for relationship. Not just cohabitation, and it does something for our health. Love does something for our health. But here's the biggie. And man, is this good. Living in community helps us to display a compelling witness. Display a compelling witness. Now, I just want to give this to you. This is radically powerful. Jesus prayed a prayer in John 17. And when you hear these words, just follow how it progresses. John 17, 20 through 21. As he prays, listen to this, my prayer is not for them alone. He's praying for his disciples. He says, I don't just pray for my disciples alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. This is cool. Jesus prayed for you. Since I'm not just praying for my disciples right here, right now, I'm praying for those who will believe later. That's us, folks. Jesus prayed for us. And here's what he said, that all of them may be one. And catch this, that they may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Do you hear it? Just as I am in you, God, my image, as we are together, I want those believers down the road to be like us. One. And here's the key. So when they are May they also be in us, catch this, that the world may believe that you sent me. He prays we would experience this oneness that God experiences because that is a compelling Witness to our world that Jesus Christ is real. That God really did send him. 
I mean, do you feel the significance of that? That Jesus is showing our community life, our love for each other is one of the most compelling indicators to our world that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. And Jesus said it in other ways. By this, all men will know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Our world doesn't see community like this. They see every man for himself. They see dog eat dog. They see people stepping on each other to climb the ladder. And when they see people coming together in community out for the other person, loving the way that God loves, living the image of God, that shows them this thing is real. As Francis Schaeffer rightly said, our relationship with each other is the criterion the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful. What a quote this is. Christian community is the final apologetic. Andy Stanley said, living life alone does not accurately reflect the one whose image we bear. Very true. I want to give you three things, and with this we finish. Our vision's growing. And love is why. God's love is why. He started this. And we're just taking it forward from what he started. But here's some things I want us to think about. And God created us for community. And here's number one. Let's get in community. Let's get in community. Now, I like this. Our small groups have grown numerically. And they need to continue. They need to continue to grow. I want to encourage you, if you're not in a small group, that's something I would love for you to really consider being in. Really. And if you are in a small group, here's, here's the next level. Don't just be in a group because you know what? You can be in a group and be all alone. I really want your group to sense relationship, to sense vulnerability, to sense openness. I want you folks to sense care and love, the same type of thing that would be becoming of the image of God that's going to send a witness to our world that we are who he says we are and that he is who he says he is. Let's get in community. Our faith goes from academic to active. It's like reading a book on marriage and then getting married Community is 
is the place our faith is active, where our faith is proven. We love in community. We share in community. We care in community. We encourage in community. It's where we give. It's where we pray. It's where we counsel. It's where we warn. It's where we celebrate and teach and learn. It's where it really happens is in community. And I know there may be some people here who say, you know what, I don't need that. I mean, I'm doing fine. I, I'm, I'm good on my own. I, you know, I'm happy with my dog. I can do okay off isolated. And I, and I can kind of get that. But here's what I want to give you. You may not need it, but let me tell you this. They need you. Remember that we are in the people business. And you say, but why should I do it? And here's the answer. Love is why. Love is why. It's number one. Clear time for it. I don't have time. Clear time. It's God's priority. Clear time personally. And you know what? Our church may need to clear time. If we're cluttered, we may need to clear time. Community is important to God. Here's number two. Let's guard our community. We need to guard it. We need to be careful to protect our community. It is the object for our witness. And it can hurt our witness if our community turns divisive. And here's what makes us difficult is because our community is filled with flawed people. Churches are filled with flawed people. Newsflash, your church is filled with a flawed pastor. That's not funny. I make mistakes. I upset people. In this church. And if you don't believe me, just go to www.pastorbrianblewett.com. And, you know, there will be problems. But we need to guard our community. And we have to work at guarding it. Ephesians 4.3 says, do everything within your power to guard the spirit of unity in the bond of peace. And if we don't work at it and handle problems biblically and guard our relational unity with each other or with our family or with our small group members or our service team members or with our pastors, we rapidly undo the image of God he created us to live in and we lose the witness he intends our community to have. We have to guard community. So number one, we need to get into it. And I'm just going to urge you to get into a small group and really be a community and then guard our community. Then here's number three. Let's go with community. And then this is just what I see. It's what I feel. Oh, it's just what I love, folks. Let's go with it. 
I envision such a radical depth of community here that our society sees it, craves it, wants it. Our world is so crowded with interaction and texts and calls and messages and snaps, but they experience life deeply with no one. One observer calls it crowded loneliness. And you know, I want our world to sense love here. I want them to sense community here. You know, our world was created in God's image too. They were created to sense and crave this too. And I want them to be convinced that Jesus is real. That he's who they need and that he is here. That this is the place. That we really believe this. That we live this. And love is why we do it. And they're going to see it from us, from our community, from our love. And I want them to see it from the parking lot to the doors, to the greeters. to what we affectionately call the coffee trough, to the ushers, to every spot and every seat that they sense we are here and that love is why. We were created in his image that we sit with them, we meet with them, we invest in them, and we pull them into these beautiful communities that we have to help grow them and develop them. Show them who Jesus Christ really is. And love is why. Would you close your eyes with me? Would you think in your mind, am I devoted to that kind of community? Am I in? Am I all in? To reflect the image of God. And I may not feel I need it, but they need me. So I'm going to bust out of my comfort zone. I'm going to take some personal risks. I'm going to extend myself. I'm going to be open. I'm going to be vulnerable. And I'm going to let others do the same and I'm not going to be a person of judgment a person of grace I'm going to help build this thing that God created us for 
God, by your grace, would you grow that here? Grow that in our hearts. Spur it in our lives. And thank you, Father, that by your Son, Jesus, you have drawn us into the greatest community of all, the body of Christ, by his death on the cross, by our faith in that our sins are forgiven we have renewed relationship with you we have hope of heaven we are forever your children we are part of the community of believers of faith forever and ever amen